Hello and welcome to American Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Simonson. Our guest on this episode is entrepreneur and business coach Brian Reynolds. Brian and his family have worked to build a small coffee empire in the Tacoma Puyallup area, south of Seattle, Washington. Their success with Anthem Coffee can be attributed to certain core principles such as heroic hospitality and live your anthem, which all stem from a strong desire to build and serve the community they live in. Brian has transferred this success into coaching businesses nationally, hosting podcasts, and speaking into the greater coffee industry. In this episode, Brian talks about his approach to starting, managing, and expanding a business, the importance of hiring the right people, and how he's grown to handle criticism. Brian shares his insights on marketing, branding, and social media. He talks about balancing the boundaries between his family and a career that he loves. Brian shares tips on how to find community and mentorship, no matter where you are in your life or career and give some pointers on how he uses Facebook Live to build his business and brand. Thank you for joining us on this episode of American Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and find us on social media. And now I present my conversation with Brian Reynolds. I'm here with Brian Reynolds at Anthem Coffee in University Place, Washington. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, sufficiently caffeinated at the moment. Yeah. Started with a dopio which uh, is a double espresso, and I always get a tablespoon of honey. That's how I start my day, man. Just bam, hit that. Gets, gets the heart going, gets the brain flowing. Uh, and now I'm sipping a delicious oat milk mocha with cinnamon. It's delicious. That sounds amazing. Yeah, feeling great. Glad to be here with you, man. Yeah. Really, um, I'm really a, a fan uh, from the very first episode of your podcast. I listen to it start to finish, top to bottom. Love what you're doing. And uh, very thankful that you would see that uh, that our story, our Anthem Coffee story, would be something worth sharing, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's great to hear. And definitely your story is worth sharing. Cool, I've, cool. I've been a fan of Anthem Coffee for a while. And one of the big things is the, the element of heroic hospitality that you guys show. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about it, but when you step into an Anthem, like you see it, you sense it. So maybe you can talk to us about Anthem Coffee, what that is, what heroic hospitality is, um, and tell us your story. Yeah. Man, well, you know, I'm not naive to think that um, we knock it out of, out of the park service-wise, you know, 100% of the time. I mean, we, we certainly strive for excellence, but not, not perfection. And, you know, our aim is heroic hospitality. You know, that, that goes beyond typical service, typical hospitality, especially in the service industry, you know. And what that looks like is, you know, our team just seeing beyond the moment and, and how they can meet the, f- you know, the normal needs that any p- person would have and seeing, like, felt needs that can be met, um, opportunities to serve, you know, far above and beyond just, you know, here's your drink. We don't ever want to be a vending machine. You know what I'm saying? We want to be um, a company that again, that doesn't have transactional interactions, but that has relational interactions where we value the person coming through, no matter who you are, where you're coming from. You know, we just, we want to love and serve and show over the top heroic hospitality. It's ingrained in who we are and and really the business started, you know, we got into business uh, because my parents showed what we have now come to refer to as heroic hospitality to a little five-year-old girl and this little five-year-old girl, this was over 15 years ago at this point, she had been through 11 different foster homes uh, in the area locally, and my parents decided to uh, 
man, they had the margin and the means to bring her into their home and, uh, and give her a last name and a forever home, really. So they adopted her. And, and we, that's what we associate heroic hospitality with, bringing a total stranger into your home and giving them the best of what you have. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what, that's transitioned us to where we are at today. Now running a business, we want to deploy that same level of service and care and love for people that my parents showed. You know, they went on to foster eight kids and adopt four. Uh, so I have all these siblings, uh, three sisters and a brother I've always wanted. <laughs> Pretty rad. Um, but that was the first time I, my folks took a, like a big risk. Like we've never been risk takers. Uh, but now we've come to say, and I'm teaching my three boys that Reynolds are risk takers. It started with my parents doing that, bringing little Samantha into their home. Um, and then that you know, because of that, my dad was traveling a ton with work. He worked for Camping World um, at the time. And we just thought, man, it'd be great to be able to have him more involved and invested at home. So let's start a, a business. And coffee was the one that my wife threw out. She said, she said hey, let, let's do this. You know, she was working at Delano's Coffee Roasters at the time. And um, she heard about this local franchise that was coming up on the scene named Forza. Forza Coffee. Forza means strength in Italian. And... Uh, she threw the idea out, and my folks were like, that could be fun. Let's explore it. And, you know, I, my mom was always the type that uh, whenever there would be a newspaper article or whenever I'd get an A on a test, it would go on the, the refrigerator, right? Like something that was interesting or exciting, she would put a magnet, put it on the fridge, and it would be there. And so like a, a week after we had thrown the idea around of Forza Coffee and joining this franchise, an article ran, of course, my mom cut it out, put it on the fridge, and we just started thinking about it, talking about it as a family, seeing, could this fit? Could this be something that could work for all of us? And at the time, I didn't have a job. I, I was uh, finishing up a, a two-year contract as a worship pastor and youth pastor at a local church out here that's still alive today. It's called Journey Community Church. Shout out, Journey. And uh, I got a chance to help plant that church and be involved with that. But at the end of those two years, you know, which, which we came to, I didn't know what I was going to do, man. And I'd never ran a business before. None of us had. Our, our family, like I said, we weren't risk takers. We played it pretty safe. Um, and, you know, next thing you know, we're having meetings with the, the Forza gang. We signed on to be a part of the franchise. We signed a five-year deal with them where at the end of the five years, we were able to become an independent coffee house. Or, of course, it was their hope that we would stay on with them. Um, unfortunately, they wanted to double our franchise fees. So it was an easy decision for us. We just said, no, nah, we'll, we'll go independent. We have a bigger vision of what it is we want to do and accomplish. So, um, yeah, so we did. We became Anthem Coffee um, November 1st of 2011 in two locations, under-resourced, underfunded, understaffed. Uh, it was insane. I mean, we had a great business for five years, but then when we went to two stores, things got crazy, man. I mean, uh, we didn't know what we didn't know. Uh, we launched, and uh, everybody thought, man, their beloved coffee shop that they'd come to know and love in the community has now disappeared. And what's this Anthem thing? Is it like a music store, or is it a dance club? Or what is this Anthem deal? You know, we, we just, rebranding as a family, you know, business and starting kind of from scratch um, was a little challenging, man, but. Had we, you had any, uh, had you had any experience with rebranding or branding at all? Yeah, yeah, actually, before that transition from the franchise to becoming Anthem, that same summer, 
we decided to open a frozen yogurt business, man. Okay. <laughs> and this was kind of, you know, we're always five, six, seven years behind the trends um, that take place in California. And I, I remember going on vacation to Cali, visiting friends and family, went to a movie. And then right after the movie, like 11 o'clock at night, went to the Froyo shop. And I was like, I've never, I couldn't really remember ever going to a self-serve frozen yogurt business. But walking into it, choosing the size bowl, the size portion you wanted, <laughs> choosing the flavors, putting toppings on it, and then weighing it and then paying for it. I was like, this is insane, dude. I just got to customize my own bowl. I got to build my own adventure kind of a thing here. Went outside, I mashed it. And the whole time I'm thinking like, dude, we have to bring this back to Puyallup. That's our hometown. And uh, I got it from the table after I finished. I went back through and got another bowl. <laughs> and my wife was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just dreaming, honey. We're, we're going to do this in Puyallup. So we, we launched Elements Frozen Yogurt, uh, again, a brand um, that we got to build as a family. So that gave us that vote of confidence when, we, when it came time to rebrand to, to Anthem and do that. We, um, we felt like, man, we were able to do it really well with that frozen yogurt business. And then just at the beginning of this year uh, of 2019, we actually sold it to another small family wanting to become uh, business owners and recognize the, the American dream of entrepreneurship and business ownership. And so they're doing it. They're, they're vibing with it. They're trying some new things. And yeah. Yeah, man. So what are your thoughts on speaking of entrepreneurship? What are your thoughts on entrepreneurship? You seem, you seem like a, an entrepreneur of sorts. Yeah. Uh, I never knew what the word meant growing up. And, um, and I remember the very first time someone said, man, you, you, you have a very entrepreneurial spirit. And I was like, I need to go look that word up, see what that's about. And, you know, an entrepreneur, literally, they, they take risks financially and they create things, right? They start businesses or they build programs or whatever. And at the time that person recognized that in me, um, I actually helped to build a skateboard ministry at our church. So I got funding. We built ramps. I'd never built a ramp before. So you, you YouTube it. You figure out how to build ramps and you build them. And, uh, and then you start marketing and you, you tell everybody about it and people came out. It was so awesome, you know? So, and I just, I think there's something so satisfying about creating, you know, about building uh, something from nothing and uh, uh, specifically when you follow your passion, you know? So was my passion back then to build something just for something's sake? No, it wasn't. It was always about people. Like people are my passion. And I realized that just whatever means necessary to unite people, to build communities, to, to bring people together um, around something that's common, uh, I, I just love doing that creating unique experiences for them, you know? And that's actually part of our mission statement today at Anthem is we create unique experiences that change lives and bring people back. Like that's, that's what we do in the first sentence. How we do that, we do this by loving and serving people, by preparing top-notch handcrafted food and beverages, and by creating an environment where real relationships are fostered. So at the end of the day, the most important thing that we do is create a place where relationships can be built real relationships can be fostered in these environments, you know, um, where, gosh, we've seen businesses formed. We've seen bands start out of our shops. We've seen people meet, fall in love, get married. Like it's, it's just nuts. The stories go on and on and on and, and some will never even know, but it's, it's incredible that we get to fulfill that mission of, of, of building something 
you know, around coffee, tea, beer, wine, all that stuff that allows people to sit down for a minute, you know, in a, in an environment that's safe and comfortable and enjoyable to be in and, um, and to build relationships ultimately, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of when I realized that entrepreneurial spirit within me and I ran with it, man. You know, um, always, I think entrepreneurs are very resourceful. I think, uh, you know, we, we can do a lot with a little and, and that's kind of part of the challenge secretly, I think as entrepreneurs, you know, being able to, you have, you have visions of grandeur. Um, but yet I, I heard somebody say recently, the best tool is the, the one that you have in your hand right now. So whatever that is, like, you don't have to attain to whatever somebody else is accomplishing as a business owner, entrepreneur, like you can start today, you know, and it never has it been easier in this day and age that we live in to start a business or to, to build, um, an organization or, or even just get exposure, build a platform, do something meaningful and purposeful that's within your heart. And, and, and I think I spend a lot of time trying to share that message with people as well. Like, you know, and that's, this live loud mentality. That's our tagline for Anthem Coffee. We really, when you come to Anthem, we want you to be inspired as you enjoy coffee, as you enjoy the heroic hospitality. We want you to discover what your Anthem is. You know what I'm saying? And and for you to live loud and for you to seize the day and follow your passion. So that's, I think, the greatest joy that we have is getting to, to see uh, the stories unfold of what people are doing when they're when they're fueled up with Anthem Coffee. So... So you guys have eight locations now. You grew from two locations originally to eight locations. And I've noticed that these locations tend to be in new developments or in town centers. Is that is that strategic on your part or are business people coming to you and saying, we want what you have in our development? It's exactly that last line that you just said. Really? It's like, yeah, it's wild, man. You know, we had our very first, our flagship location in downtown Puyallup by the post office, by the park. Um, our second location is in downtown Tacoma, you know, connected to the History Museum and right between Union Station and just across the street from the University of Washington, Tacoma campus. So the first location in Puyallup we had for five years. Then we had two stores for a total of 10 years. And then, I mean, 18 months ago, as I'm sitting here talking with you, we had a a plan only to open about two more stores, really. And it was here in University Place where somebody literally had asked. And it was in Sunrise Village uh, in South Hill, Puyallup. But we kept getting hit up with people like, hey, there's a there's an abandoned coffee shop or this business failed, you know, would you guys ever consider coming in? Or, hey, you know, for instance, um, the guys who built the stadium apartments in the stadium district in Tacoma they had come across this, the bridge, uh, you know, over uh, on the Foss Waterway from their apartment building called the Henry. They would come across and have coffee over there, and they fell in love with the brand. And they just, I remember sitting down with them and, and hearing them say, you know, what you guys do would really complement uh, what we're building out in stadium. We'd, we'd love for you to be on the ground floor of this apartment building that uh, will have about 180-some-odd units. And... Um, and we were able to, you know, make a deal work that 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 was beneficial for everybody. So, in the same regard to these empty coffee shops, it's always way more expensive to build a coffee shop from the ground up than it is to 
take it and, and kind of anthemize it and remodel it and bring it back to life. And so five out of the last six shops that we've opened over the last 18 months have been these remodels where we've come in, a business has failed, unfortunately, and we're able to just, you know, uh, install our brand and, and our aesthetic and our, and our people. And um, it's drawn people in. It's worked. You mentioned people. How important is your so, staff to Anthem? They're everything, man. I mean, it, it, you're only as strong as the people you have around you. As you know, you're only as strong as the team. Uh, there's no way we could have grown as exponentially as we grew had we had not planned by preparing people, by building people, by by leading them and coaching them and and uh, and growing them in, in their various skill sets. You know, first of all, we have to recognize who's around us and then and we have to have a vision for growth but then once you you recognize the individuals that are part of your team that want to grow with your company and you begin to invest in them and you cast vision to them about where it is we're going uh, it became contagious and we began to build a, a, a bench that was pretty deep of leaders that would be ready to go at any moment not not even knowing that we had this growth you know, this growth spurt on the horizon of six stores over 18 months. And so um, there's no, absolutely no way that we could have accomplished that without the talented, smart, creative uh, people that we had, a, had a, as a part of our team. It's been, an, it's been insane watching them come together, work together. Um, there's so many things that I've, you know, as I've delegated and empowered other people uh, to grow the biz, they've just continued to surprise me, man, at, around every twist and turn. Whenever there'd be issues that would arise, they would handle them, and then they would just tell me about it. Instead of bringing me problems to solve, it's like, man, we've got some killers here that believe in this thing and want to help drive it and grow it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. very thankful for them, man. It's so fun. And all the while, they're, you know, they're growing, and they're learning their skill set. And, and we always say this too, man. It's like what our hope is at Anthem is that this would be a place that's a platform for you to not only grow and try new things and, and a safe place to fail, most importantly, which is the greatest gift that my parents have ever given me was just allowing me to, to fail. As long as you don't fail in the same things over and over and over, they've, they've created a great spot for me to try new things and risk and, and be entrepreneurially minded. And, and I've been able to do that same thing for a lot of our team. Mm -hmm. And involvement equals ownership, man. Like the more you involve your team in the things that you're building or dreaming about or scheming about, you know, um, they they then take ownership of it and they add value to it and they bring more energy to it and and here we are, you know. So, yeah, what a fun experience, man. So when it comes to having a staff that you can build a bench that deep, how much is the hiring process involved? Do you look for that? Do you look for a certain character that fits the Anthem brand? Or do you look for a certain type of person? Um, what are you looking for when you hire? Or do you look for someone, just anyone, and you just kind of like put them into the Anthem brand? Like, what does that look like? Man, it's a great question because, you know, I believe that any, any healthy business uh, culture or organizational culture um, can happen by default or by design, right? So, and, and whether you like it or not, if you're a business owner or, or lead an organization, you have a culture. And wouldn't you rather design it rather than just have it happen by default. So, I mean, dude, everything rises and falls on, on, on who we allow in through the gate, right, of hiring. Hiring is a humongous deal. And it's impossible to even decide or even know 
who to hire until you have taken the time to go, what is it that we want to build? What does it look like? Who are the people we're wanting to attract? What skill sets do they have? What abilities are we looking for for them to come in? And what abilities can we teach them down the way, you know? So we always say we hire fit first, and then we train the skill. So what does fit look like? Well, we have a very clear set of guiding principles that we've mapped out. They're on our website, you know, our mission statement, our mission of heroic hospitality. We have a vision for what we're trying to accomplish, you know, our values that are listed there as well. And we're simply just asking you, like, if if you fit within the, this construct of these guidelines or, or guiding principles, you're fit. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're coming from or or what uh, kind of work experience you've had in the past. It really doesn't. I mean, if you resonate and you vibe with and you you fit these guiding principles, you're a fit. And more often than not, we'll, we'll hire you. We're never in a position, thankfully, to where we're like just looking for somebody, you know, a warm body and a, and a, to, to fit a need. We're, we're not there. And so many businesses are. They're just, it's tough. Like you'll lose people unexpectedly and just go, man, I need help. And you'll hire whoever. And that's not good for that person. It's not good for your organization because, I mean, really one of my main tasks at this level, at this stage in the game, is to protect our culture. I feel like we've built such a thriving, vibrant, healthy culture that it's worth fighting for. It's worth protecting. And what I mean by that is we have to protect it sometimes from uh, the people that we hire uh, or or even the people uh, that are in leadership. I mean, you know, we're all committed to our guiding principles, and that's what keeps us unified and on the same page. It's We're not trying to push anybody's agenda. Um, there's nothing you know, counterproductive uh, that's, that's happening. That's just not healthy for a business. We've, we've established guiding principles. We stick to those, and they inform our hiring practices, our, where we open locations at, um, what kind of products we roll out, what kind of events we participate in. It's, it's probably the number one thing that most business owners and leaders neglect to have in place. Or they have a a set of you know mission, vision, values that that lives as a decorative ornament on a wall somewhere, and they never flesh out. It's like, man, when you when you can believe so passionately and clearly articulate the things that you're about as a business and the things that you're wanting to accomplish, and when you can get that on paper and on purpose, when you can lead from that and teach from that all the time, and your team gets it, that's how we're able to replicate and see you know, an anthem experience, no matter what kind of community we pop up in, you know? Yeah. How does that company culture go into your products that you, that you sell or that you serve? Well, part of our mission statement says that we sell, you know, or we, we do this by loving and serving people, by preparing top-notch handcrafted food and beverages. So if we would just stop on that piece for a second, we're constantly in pursuit of honing our craft, of, of creating better, um, food and beverage options, top-notch, I mean, handcrafted. As often as we can, we're looking for local, for better ingredients, for whatever that will be sustainable, that will be enjoyable, that will be uh, true to our mission, you know? Like I said, I think an mission statement exists to continue to um, to be something that you aspire to be, right? Like, And that's what it continually does is we're looking at our products going, how can we make this better? We're going, what's missing that could enhance this experience? Let's even get feedback sometimes from our, our customer base and see, what would you like to see us bring to the equation here? Um, 
feedback is one of the greatest gifts that we've ever been given, I, I think. And we've developed a culture where we're proactive about trying to get feedback. Like anytime somebody comes with a negative review or a positive review, we accept it the same way with a giant thank you. Like thank you for taking the time to let us know you know, that we failed you in this experience. We want to make it right, and, and so thanks for giving us that opportunity. And nine times out of ten, we're able to to turn the tide and to, to win that person back over through the way we can show hospitality, even through mistakes, man. Some of those customers that, that we interact with that may have had a bad experience end up being some of our most loyal customers in the future because of how we handle that. Yeah. And without feedback, you know, I always say this, if we don't know, we can't grow. And so, gosh... What a gift feedback is. It can be the boogeyman or it can be the greatest blessing for you and your business. A lot of ways it's, it's relationship. That's it. You know, that, that Yelp review or that review is, is someone speaking to you in any proper relationship, whether they slap you in the face or they hug you. It's how you, you respond it. to it. You nailed it. That's absolutely right. And that's how I think our, you know, for the longest time, truthfully, because, you know, when you create a business, it's like art. You know, when you're when you're an entrepreneur and you're putting your stuff out there, you're this is what you've created. So it's your little baby, and you feel really close to it, man. And so it hurts when when somebody calls your baby ugly, or or when you know somebody says they messed up. You know, um, but I and, and there there came a time, and I'll be honest with you, like I couldn't even I couldn't I couldn't stand to, to see the reviews come in. Um. And of course, the positive ones that those were affirming, those were neat. And of course, there, there's always been way more positive than negative reviews. But the problem is, is critics math. You know, I've heard this talked about before. Uh, critics math is when, you know, a thousand positive comments come through plus one negative comment that just equals one negative comment. <laughs> it just wipes everything else away. And, you know, it's so uh, it's, it's hard to hear sometimes. But I think the, 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 the switch flipped in my mind where I realized Look, this is a real person on the other end of this. Their perception is their reality. It, it may not be what we wanted to deliver that day. And maybe we had an off day too. There's, there's always two sides to every story. And that's how I approach this thing now. Where when I used to get a negative review, I'd be like, oh my goodness, what's happened? Who do I need to go you know, hammer on for a minute? Which, of course, that is not how you build a great culture. You don't hammer on people. <laughs> um, but... I, I began to take the approach, look, we've got an incredible team. And if you know they're bought into the, the vision, the mission, vision, values, all that, I'm sure this was not their intent. None of our team members intended to give you the worst experience of your entire life. You know what I mean? And so when I approach it that way and realize, okay, there's a, there's a human on the other end of this deal. I'm going to listen. We're going to respond. We've been given an opportunity to make it right. What a, what a cool deal. Um, and then, of course, you know, we follow up with our team members, too, and we talk through the scenario, get, get both sides, and all that information just helps us to become better. And that's what we're in pursuit of every day is just become a little bit better every day in every area and every facet, you know. That's great. That's great. So I, I don't know if that even answers the question, but I, I hope it got close there. No, I mean, that was actually a really great spot we got to there. Let's talk about social media a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm honestly – you inspire me when it comes to social media. Thanks, I, I didn't even know a few years ago what you were doing. I was just like, this guy's just a tornado on the social media. <laughs> Thank you. Lesson people with what he's doing. And um, did you know what you were doing? And maybe talk about I still what still don't you, know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe talk about your presence on social media. Maybe talk about 
what you think of social media, what this new phenomenon is for humanity, um, and how you're using it for yourself personally and for your business. Well, it's nutty, dude, first of all. I mean, and, and again, I, I think I said it earlier in the podcast, just it's, it's never been easier in this day and age to build a platform, to, to spread a message, to share uh, with the world, to connect with somebody in Connecticut who happens to run a coffee shop also and deal with some of the same issues I have, you know, and now all of a sudden we're connected and we can swap stories and I can learn from him and he can learn from me or vice versa. Um, I think social media, uh, I'll get this out of the way. I'll just say it's, um, it can be something that completely like anything else can be something that without boundaries, uh, can lead to harm, uh, can lead to all kinds of stuff, you know, but I think the angle that I've taken is I've seen it as a very positive um, angle to uh, to just share what's happening in life. And I think, you know, Gary Vee made it super clear that the objective is to document, not just not just plan and capture it. You, you got to document what you do. And I took that to heart. And I just I, I remember years ago, I think I was even documenting what we were doing in our coffee shop even before that message or that narrative was going out, um, you know, I would just, I would crack the phone open. I would record a video and I would post it and people would get to see what's happening in the coffee shop or in the community or whatever. And I think it, it helped me to realize like, holy cow, this is, this is rad. I'm connecting with people that, um, you know, like, like 10 X than just the one-to-one FaceTime interactions within the coffee shop. And, uh, it, it, it still was meaningful interactions that were occurring, just like in-store, in-person. Uh, and, and I think maybe what you're even asking is, as I've used it to kind of share what I'm learning, share different little leadership messages, things like that, you know, you want to talk about overcoming a fear of public speaking. Like, I've, I used to have one big time. And I realized, like, holy cow, I am public speaking every time I jump on that video camera. And I've gotten very comfortable delivering what's on my mind or delivering a message I think that's worth spreading um, through that means. And that's helped me now. I mean, I've been able to, to do great keynote talks and everything too. Um, it just, it doesn't matter the size of the audience. And get this one too. This is something that flipped in my mind. I realized like, look, if I'm going to put any kind of content out and if this helps even just one person and if that one person is, is even me that it helps, then it's worth it. Because guaranteed mom's going to jump on and like it and comment and interact, right? So I got at least that going. But truthfully, like I think a lot of people, you have you have an incredible message to share with people or a unique perspective that the world needs to hear. Or maybe you're passionate about something that's uh, that, that you should, you know, pick up the microphone, record a podcast, jump on a Facebook Live and interact with people and build community. Like we can leverage this tool for so many good things. And I can't tell you... As soon as I overcame the fear of like, you know, is what I have to say valuable? Will will anyone care? Like that doesn't even, it doesn't matter. Of course it is. And like I said, if it helps me, it's worth it. If it helps one other person, it's worth it. If, if the information that I'm sharing through what I'm learning in life can help impact or influence somebody else to take a risk, to try something new, to, to apply and learn from a lesson that I've learned, um, it's worth it, man. So I would just say go for it. Like I, I even teach a little social media thing at Coffee Fest called uh, Let's Go Live. 
and I just teach people how to leverage live video to grow their businesses or grow their influences, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Let's talk about your influence beyond Anthem and beyond your hometown. You, you're doing some stuff with coffee industry. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. Man, been so fortunate to uh, to be able to get connected with Coffee Fest. Yes, there's an actual festival of coffee, and it pops up in a few different cities around the U.S. Um, a few times a year. Uh, most recently, we were in New York, Indianapolis. We head to L.A. in, in about a month or so. And then it's actually going to be here in the Northwest, uh, I believe, in November. It's an industry, coffee industry trade show, essentially, with a heavy emphasis on education, which I've been fortunate enough to get to teach um, on leadership, on you know, cafe best practices, uh, partner with another guy, uh, Joe Lloyd, out of Durango, Colorado. He runs a coffee shop called Durango Joe's, and he and I have been become just kindred, man, like kind of the same story. He's, he's, I think, got 12 stores these days. I've, I'm at eight, so I've been able to kind of drift behind him and learn from him along the way as we've taught what it is that we're learning. You know, we're practitioners in the truest sense of the word. What we're trying in our coffee shops, then we're then teaching at Coffee Fest, helping other coffee business owners uh, skip over some of the headaches and heartaches that we've had, you know. Um, and then that just fortifies those truths and those principles in us so that when we take it back to our shops, our shops become that much better, you know? It's beautiful how that works. And so I've, I've really loved um, getting to serve the, the coffee industry in that regard and help, you know, aspiring coffee business owners to realize that, yeah, this is a, a dream worth pursuing, you know? And to be able to build it right from the ground up, you know, with the foundation being get a clear you know, get, get a clear purpose for what it is and why it is you want to do this thing. Then develop the guiding principles around it and then let that inform every single one of your decisions there, there on. Otherwise, you'll try to be all things to all people and ultimately you'll be pulled in so many different directions that you end up burning out. And that happened to me at once. The thing is, is I, I had a mentor that every year since the inception of our business, he would, he would ask me, Brian, have you written down your guiding principles yet? Have you, do you have a mission statement? Every year he would ask and I'd say, no, we're good, man. Look at the line out the door. Look, business is good. It's successful. We're doing great. Year two, year three. Hey, do you got the mission statement yet? No, no, man, we're good. Year four, year five, right? Year six rolls along and uh, success can, can lead to failure. Success can lead to overwhelm and exhaustion and ultimately burnout. Um, just as much as, as failing can lead to, to all of that as well. It's crazy. And if, you're not, if you haven't built a sustainable infrastructure to, to serve the growth that you, that you plan to have, um, I ultimately got overwhelmed and had to take a, literally an entire month off and just recalibrate and become human again instead of just a human doing, doing, doing nonstop. Um, you know, I needed to be a human being again and go live my wife was gracious enough. She said, hey, go adventure somewhere. And I went to Bend, Oregon for the first week. And, and that's when I crafted the guiding principles that I, I just realized, man, there's no way I can come back from this burnout experience and do things the same way I've always done them. And ultimately, getting those things in place have helped set up a framework for, for long-term sustainable success um, that, is, that is equally balanced between you know, the right leaders and the right players to help carry that weight of growth. And now 
beyond the coffee industry. I've gotten to help coach and, and uh, consult with other businesses that, that want to scale and grow, um, that may not know how or may be scared to do, do so, right, uh, and help to equip them and, and get them in the right place for growth. So very passionate about helping people uh, yeah, realize their full potential and just, you know, business is such a great avenue to love and to serve and to connect and build community. Um, I love to see it when businesses are doing it right. So, What does one of those uh, meetings look like when you meet with someone from any industry? You know, it starts just by asking them, like, super real talk. How are you doing? <laughs> like this is, business is people. Uh, it's people. We're pe- people business. No matter what it is that you sell or serve or do, those are just tools that you use to grow the people business, whether it's a car dealership or a, an online business, whatever it is. Those are just tools that you use to grow the people business. So it's super personal from the onset. It's how, how are you doing? Are you enjoying what you're building here? And a lot of times people realize like, man, it's not what I thought it, it was going to be like owning a business. And it's not all it's cracked up to be, man. It's not. Business ownership is not for the faint of heart. You know, um, but, it's, but it's worth it. It's 100% worth it when you surround yourself with the right people and when you are able to remind yourself every day of your why, like why you're doing this thing, what the purpose that got you into it. Problem is, like I said, all these fires arise, all these pain points occur and all, these, uh, all this weight of, um, of just real life begins to set in and it takes you away from why you got started in that business to begin with. So we go there and we get people back to their original intent of what they set out to create. And then there's a lot of conversation around, again, the guiding principles. You've heard me say that a hundred times already in this podcast. I just believe that those are some like the, our saving grace in our business because without them, I would have still continued to try to be all things to all people instead of getting a vision that was super crystal clear for what it is that I wanted to build and how we were going to build it. And that's the number one thing that I think business owners lack is that kind of clarity. So we begin to just dream again. We begin to go back to the basics. We have a conversation about, man, how did you start this thing? Why did you start this thing? And as we realize that and and realize how far off course we've gotten or that person's gotten in their business, we're able to to identify some some things uh, that, you know, and, and that define what winning looked like when they were winning. And that's, I think, the, the most important place to start. Let's look back in the past and see when you were winning, what things were you doing? And we start to write those things down. Because then the goal is let's get some quick wins. Let's go back to the basics and do some of those things, again, that, that led to success. Because now maybe you've spread too thin or maybe you've begun, uh, maybe you've begun to to get distracted with other endeavors that you thought were valuable, but ultimately take away from the bread and butter, you know? So those are really fun discovery conversations. And by the end of it, the objective for me is for that person to go, wow, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) I'm not alone as a business owner anymore. There's somebody who understands, you know, the road that I'm walking and knows how to, to get to, you know, greener pastures for sure. Yeah. So that's a blast helping the lights to come on in that scenario. And, and then to see that, I mean, cause ultimately if I, if I can affect business owners and leaders and they can then in turn affect their organizations and those that they lead for the better. Right. And then 
those folks can impact the world that they serve for the better, then, I mean, that's the whole dream here is to, to, to make business ownership enjoyable. <laughs> Every day for me feels like day one these days. And we're on our 13th year just about. I hear community a lot in what you're talking about. I don't know if that word's been said in this podcast yet, but to me, a lot of what you're talking about is community. Yeah. Does, does community mean anything to you? Yeah, without a community, I mean, we'd have no one to serve. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and a community can be as small as your, your family team that you, that you get to lead, the team of leaders that l- help lead your business, or the, the entire team that you employ. It's crazy to me now. I have a community of 125 employees that, that don't, they don't work for me, that I, I get to work for them day in and day out. We, we've gotten to create all these jobs, man, around here. It's awesome. And, and they are now the community that I serve every day. It used to be I used to have an apron on, and I would serve our communities coffee. Hey, guy, welcome in. Hey, young lady, what can I brew for you today? That kind of deal, right? And, um, and I've gotten to teach that and delegate that and train other people to, to replicate the experience that I want to create if I was behind the bar, but now multiplied and scaled. And so... You know, as I've gone from serving the community, now I have a new community of my team members that I get to serve daily. And so that's how I look at it, man. And, and like I said, it's, it feels very fresh. There's no shortage of, you know, pain points to iron out or things that crop up or whatever. But I think we've built now uh, healthy boundaries that lead to balance that allow us to kind of, you know, prioritize and focus on what needs to be handled right now and ultimately creating a really great place of employment for people who would want to come and be involved and, and serve. So, You mentioned this is a family business. Yeah. I mean, your parents, Oh yeah. your wife, probably your kids are involved to some extent. Oh, yeah, we're teaching them the ways. <laughs> yeah. How do you balance family with business? How do you have those, um, how do you have those boundaries within your family and the business? Um, what is that like? Man, it's really difficult. I got to be honest with you. Even still, I'm not great at having great boundaries around work because, honestly, I truthfully love what I get to do. <clears throat> and it doesn't feel like work. I mean, it really it doesn't feel like work when you are really passionate about what you're doing and you, you find that thing that you're great at uh, and, and you get right in that lane and just you come alive. So it, what a gift and also what a, what a challenge to, uh, to balance that. And that only comes, it really does, it only comes through boundaries and, and asking myself this question, you know, what's at stake if I, if I continue to, to give everything and the best of me to work and what's at stake if I don't, you know what I'm saying? I have to be balanced. I have to create boundaries that even though, thankfully, I love what I do, uh, I can inadvertently or unintentionally neglect my family in the pursuit of trying to build a healthy, thriving business. And I definitely don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. So I think from the onset, you have to decide, what are we doing this for? You know, and ultimately, I'd love to be in a place where um, my family is blessed by these business endeavors, and, and so are the people around us, you know, those that, again, that we employ, those that we come in contact with. I mean, ultimately, that's the thing. We're not trying to amass wealth and, and stack something incredibly high and just keep it all to ourselves. Like, it's not even ours to begin with. You know what I'm saying? It's, um, we've been given this gift to steward 
and to, uh, and to bless others with. And so I think when you can realize what the stakes are, it makes it easier to set boundaries around it. So I'm actually, I'm stoked. I can't wait to actually shut the day down at two or three o'clock today and jet home and spend the rest of the evening just serving my family, you know, making a meal together, doing some chores together. I'm actually, I'm sitting here talking to you. And I'm like, I can't wait to fold some clothes. But that didn't come naturally. <laughs> and that doesn't come naturally for people. But over time, I realized, man, you know, when you give, you get. And the, the whole, here's a philosophy that I have is just my life is not my own. I have to keep going back to that. My life isn't mine. I, I was given life. I, my job is to give it, give it out to love and to serve others. I mean, that's ingrained in what we do every day at the coffee shop. And, and again, some days I, I definitely don't hit that mark, but I think I'm most fulfilled when I'm giving and I'm loving and I'm serving others, you know, especially my family, those who matter most, you know? Yeah. I know that you connect with business leaders throughout the area. How do you find fellowship and um, people to talk with outside of your family, you know, for mentorship or influence? What does that look like? Man, I'm so thankful to be surrounded by many, many successful business leaders and um, leaders of organizations and, you know, just trustworthy, integrous men that, uh, that can speak into my life and that, I, that I'm able to open up my life with and, and do life uh, with those guys. You know, uh, there's almost a half a dozen or so that or more, actually, maybe maybe we're almost to a baker's dozen <laughs> of these people that uh, these guys and gals that you know I can talk business with um, that understand where I'm at, the struggles you know that uh, you face as a business leader and as a family man. I mean, all that stuff. And uh, I think what's cool, and I think it would be helpful for even the audience that's listening, is identify people that you want to become like, and then spend time with them. Whether you, you have to literally buy them a lunch, you know, and, and to get their attention or what, maybe you just, just take a risk and ask like, hey, would you ever be up for a conversation? I, I got some questions, you know, that I'd love to ask you because uh, I see that you're killing it as a father or I see that you're doing so great in business. I'd like, could I ever just pick your brain? I can't tell you how many times I get asked that all the time. And, uh, and sometimes you have to say no to protect the boundaries. Otherwise, I'd be spending all my days just doling out advice here and there to everybody and their mother. But, um, you know, some, several people have done that for me over the years. And it's a joy for me to give that back to people as well. Um, and I find that, you know, again, as you're teaching or as you're talking through a process of something that you're wrestling with or growing in, it just makes it all the more easy for you to do those things or it makes you kind of fortifies it in you. You know, if there's something that you're learning, like as you learn it, teach that to somebody else at the same time. Don't wait till you're a professional in that regard. Like as you're podcasting, man, if you were to talk podcasting with somebody else and say, Hey, here's some of the podcasting best practices I've had and things that have led to my success. As you teach that to that person, it's only going to fortify your abilities to be a great podcaster and ask great questions and things like that. You know what I mean? Plus, you've just helped somebody else. Totally. So how cool is that, you know? But yeah, I think that would be my advice, man. Find people that you admire, that you look up to, that you respect, that you want to become like, and just get in their space. Yeah. Cool, yeah. 
I was actually going to ask you, um, and you kind of just answered it, was someone sitting in, you know, Alabama listening to this podcast, what, what advice would you give them to either have a relationship like that or to build a community of, of beneficial people that can speak into each other? Yeah, I, I would even um, I would even hone it into a specific thing at the moment that, like, if you're listening in Alabama, identify what it is that you want to become better at right now. What's, what's one area in your life that you're like, man, I wish I could be a better this, or I wish I could do better at that? You know what I'm saying? I think, and if we spend our whole lives doing that, that pursuit of growing and learning and becoming better, I think that's a worthwhile pursuit. I think whenever you're pursuing growth, you're denying you know, uh, failure or, or, or backsliding or whatever the thing might be that, you know, none of us wake up in the morning going, I hope I, hope I fail at life today. <laughs> none of us want to, you know, I've heard it said, um, you're either growing daily or you're dying gradually. None of us want to die gradually. So I think it's important to have a growth mindset and pursue growth, but you got to start somewhere. So pick a spot that you want to become better at right now and then try to identify that person. You know, let's say it's a fitness goal. Say, man, I want to drop 30, 40 pounds. Well, you find somebody who's killing it and start drifting behind them. <laughs> Ask them the right questions. And, you know, and then that kind of naturally forms accountability. It kind of naturally forms community as well. Um, I remember a while back, I did want to drop some pounds. And so there was a, a couple of guys that began to do, uh, like a, they would meet up on Sunday mornings at our downtown Puyallup location and start running. And for a, a period of a couple months, um, I would show up on those Sundays at six in the morning. Our coffee shop opened at seven, so we would go for a run, three, four, five-mile run, come back, fellowships, be sweaty, grab some <laughs> espressos, and, and then hang out. And that, that was a really cool time. There, there's so many simple little things like that um, that when you identify what's the, the area I want to grow in right now, and you, you'll start seeing people that are doing the things you want to do, and you can become like them, just get in their space. Simple. Yeah, yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Who are you looking at today on the like beyond Puyallup, Tacoma area? Who are you looking at on the, the national stage or the international stage? Like what are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? What speakers are you inspired by? Man, if you come to mind right away, um, Donald Miller, he, he runs a company called Story Brand. Um, Michael Hyatt, he's, he's another like uh, productivity and uh, leadership development guy, um, personal development kind of guy. Um, and then like a lot of stuff out of the Dave Ramsey organization. You know, they've got a little thing called Entree Leadership which is like entrepreneurship and leadership smashed into one word. And so, and these are all podcasts. So these are voices in my ear, right? These are people that I, I, I actually feel like they're my mentors <laughs> as I listen to podcasts. And that's the, the beauty of podcasting. I mean, that's the beauty of technology and we're the day and age in which we live. Um, I think those three organizations and the stuff that they're talking about has been very helpful um, to me personally and do our business endeavors. And I think for any business owner listening right now, you need to realize who you are comes to work with you. Like you are the brand. And so you need to constantly become, you need, you need to be committed to constantly becoming better every day, starting with yourself. 
because truthfully, you, you're not able to serve others if you don't first serve yourself and take care of you. You can't lead others where you haven't led yourself. So I think unintentionally, we as business owners, we're the first ones that we neglect because we're trying to meet the needs of everyone else around us. And I just, I think it'd be nice to remind you all today, like take care of you so that you can take care of other people. It's good. So you know, good. pick up a guitar if you're a songwriter and write and play some music if you haven't in a long time. If that's the thing that fuels you up and helps you to become a better version of you so that you can serve the world better, go do that thing, man. If you love pedicures and manicures, go get one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Take a vacation. Do, just do something that fuels you up so that you can present the best version of you to the world that you serve, you know? Live your anthem. That's it. Live yeah. loud. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. Where can we find you? Like, we haven't talked about that, but you you have a podcast, right? Or two? Yeah. No, I appreciate you shouting that out, man. Um, we have the Coffee Business Pro Podcast available where any one gets their podcast, you can just search that, the Coffee Business Pro, and just recently launched um, the Scratch Your Niche podcast. It's always fun to say podcast like a radio voice. Um, but that idea is uh, is fun. We're interviewing business owners that have found their niche and gone all in on that one thing, um, and that ultimately we believe the niches are in, uh, the riches are in the niches, right? So when you focus on one thing solely and you do that well, like it'll, it'll work out great for you. And so it's been fun to, to interview business owners that have cashed in on their, uh, their niche. Um, you can find me at, at Brian Reynolds, Brian with a Y, Reynolds like the rap. Okay. No affiliation to the aluminum tinfoil family dynasty. Um, but Brian, at, at Brian Reynolds on, uh, on Instagram. Um, and I'm, I'm on Facebook quite a bit. I really, I feel like what's crazy is, the way social media works is there's all these, there's waves all the time, right? Like everyone's using this and they jump to this platform and then this platform. And I just read an article recently, like now people are jumping ship from, from Instagram on, you know, on it, being inundated with the stories so much. And now I think there'll be a tide that shifts back to people being on Facebook. So I've just kind of lived there. I've, I've become a self-proclaimed um, uh master at live video and, and I love teaching other people how to leverage live video uh, to grow their influence and their impact and, and fun stuff like that. So yeah. What's a, what's a quick tip you could give someone for live video? Oh man, I've got a whole seminar on this deal. Um, the, the quickest tip would be when you go live, go long. I think too many people are, uh, they're going live for like a minute and 30 seconds or like 12 seconds. Like, it, cause they're afraid once they go live, they're like, shoot, what am I going to say? Whoa, what do I do? Where do I look? What do I, what do, I do? <laughs> you know? Um, know what you're going to record or know what you want to say. Leave margin for whatever may happen, especially if you're, you're in a public setting. Let's, let's use the example real quick of like a farmer's market, right? Let's say that you're hanging out, you're at the farmer's market, and you just choose to go live. And you, you just, you know, make sure you, you address the audience, because there is an audience on the other side of that thing, whether it's live or whether they're watching it later. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Show them around. Engage with people. Give them a little window into what it is you're doing and what you're shopping for. You might be shopping that day for a gift for mom or a gift for your kid or something. You know what I'm saying? And what's cool is along the way, you might bump into somebody you know. You might run into somebody who's pretty interesting and go, 
dang, tell me about your woodworking or tell me about your art style, like what you're doing or your candle making or your, you've got all these vegetables that you're pickling and, and the pickles were amazing, you know, it, whatever. Now, listen, if, if, we, if we go live and we're only on for 47 seconds, we're not serving our audience. We're not serving the world. We're not informing anyone. Hey, I'm live at the farmer's market. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. It doesn't do any good. If you go live for a long time, what that does is as people interact and begin to ask, com- you know, comment or ask questions or whatever, the algorithms begin to pick up and grab those audiences of people that are engaging and more audiences are grabbed and more people begin to pay attention to what's happening. So I think the prime spot is like 12 to 15 minutes, which again, it's, it takes time to get comfortable with being live for that long and kind of, you know, flowing with your thought and, and sharing you know, and talking. It's public speaking is totally what it is. But if you view yourself, this is Donald Miller stuff, story brand stuff, if you view yourself as the guide and, uh, and whoever's watching is the hero, you can guide people through the farmer's market. You can uh, expose something to them that they're like, whoa, that's my favorite uh, you know, wood-fired pizza thing. I didn't know they were down there, right? Um, and, and I think that's – you don't have to be the hero. So that takes a lot of the pressure off. And I think we've got it all wrong. Donald Miller makes the case for this within StoryBrand that businesses and people that think of themselves as the hero, you, they're getting it all wrong. I'm not the hero. Anthem is not the hero. Anthem's the guide. And every customer who walks in is the hero. So our job is to just help ignite their, their passion or fuel their, you know, their day, help them to, to live loud, right? Same thing individually. I'm not the hero. When I go live, it's not like, hey, guys, look at me. It's the Brian Reynolds Show. That's not the name of the game. When I go live, my intent is to serve or guide my audience, who is the hero, to greener pastures, to a better day, to some kind of insight that will will bless their life, you know? So that takes the pressure off, man. That's good. That's good. Is advice. that helpful? That's great. Cool. Man. Yeah, you're inspiring me right there. <laughs> you're about to go live. That's going to help. I might just go live. <laughs> Shane, thank you so much, man. This was really an honor. Great questions. And uh, hopefully this serves your audience well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of American Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. This is Shane Simonson signing off. Until next time.